Come on up. And uh, if you, you want to put it here. Sure, I can help you. Cool. All right. Um, today's reading is from Romans 8, uh, verses 16 to 30. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what, it, what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for reading the Bible. Well, uh You've, oh, yes, yes. Okay, so the kids, um, so we're going to have fun in here with uh, adults, but the kids are going to have fun out there with Kenny, so make sure, or Dan, so make sure you um, go and do that now, and that's okay. But if you're an adult, please stay. <laughs> so, uh, okay, well, it's so good to come here and, yeah, be with you guys, um, and also to open up the Word with you as we explore this common passage uh, we've all heard it be to uh, before. Uh, well, what is the passage we're going to talk about today? Well, uh, spoiler, we know we already read it in the Bible, but it's Romans 8.28. So it's often quoted by Christians when life gets tough, and, and rightly so. Um, but I think a little bit of what they mean um, maybe is not what it's saying. And that's what I'm going to show you today. Well, what's the passage? Well, here it is. Uh, the one that says, you know, you all know it. Uh, we know that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Great passage. Um, but we often find this in the form of a plaque or, you know, maybe a, a picture with some nice, uh, you know, illustrations around it. it. might be hung up on your toilet, behind your toilet door or in your lounge room or maybe in the front of your journal or something like that. Well, what do people mean when they quote this passage? Well, they usually mean something along the lines of, oh, God makes everything work in your favor if you believe in Jesus, because uh, if you love God, uh, you're his children, and God loves his children. Everyone loves their children, right? So nothing bad will ever happen to us. So that's kind of what they're saying. It's the Christian version of saying, look, everything's going to be okay. Well, it sounds nice, and part, part of that's true. But what happens when things actually are horrible for us? What happens when bad things do happen to us? Does this passage still work? Um, well, life is full of suffering and disappointments, and as you see in the pictures, lots is going on in the world right now. Uh, that it'd be difficult to say it's good. You know, like people are dying in India. They don't have enough places to, to bury them. They don't have enough oxygen for them in hospital. They're sending people away. And in Myanmar, you know, the government is uh, not like ours in Australia. They don't vie for the people. It's, uh, it's the military rule, and uh, people are just made to, to listen by force if that's necessary. And obviously, yeah, people are getting sick and dying uh, all over the world with COVID and with other things as well. Well, life is full of suffering and disappointments. Um, well, what are we to make of suffering and life's disappointments? What are we to make of life and uh, suffering and life's disappointments? Um, especially when we think of passages like eight, Romans 8, 28. You know, things are going to be all good. Well, what about our suffering? Well, today I'm going to show you that uh, hopefully by reading uh, the passage and the passage around Romans 8.28, uh, that it's actually telling us a, a better truth, a truth that makes sense of our suffering. And it teaches us this. It teaches us that our suffering too is all a part of God's good plan. Our suffering is all a part of God's good plan. That's exactly what Romans 8.28, uh, so 8.16 to 30 teaches us. Uh, well, how does our passage show us that our suffering is part of God's good plan? Well, let's have a look. Well, first of all, Paul tells us uh, about how suffering, well, it does something. It does something uh, about, it, it shows us who we really are. Paul tells us that suffering, if you're a Christian, what does it tell us? Well, it tells us that we're God's children. And if we're children of God, then we will also enter His glory. Interesting. Not that things will be good here, but that we'll enter into His glory. So Paul teaches us that if you suffer as a child of God, you will enter into His glory. If you suffer as a child of God, you will enter into His glory. That's his first point. Well, how does his, this passage show us this today? Uh, well, in verse uh, 16 to 17, it tells us, it says, uh, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His suffering, in order that we may also share in His glory. Well, let's spend a little bit more time unpacking this passage right here. 
Uh, so this passage says, for the Christians, uh, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. All right, well, that sounds very nice, Paul, but what does that actually mean? <laughs> well, it means that after believing in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. This is what happens for every Christian who believes. Uh, some people might notice something happen in their life, uh, like uh, an intense feeling or an experience, or even a miracle. Uh, these things happen uh, when they receive Jesus. Uh, but for a lot of people, uh, this isn't the experience, and we don't have special feelings or experiences, but that's okay too. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't have God's Spirit living in us. So the, everyone puts, who puts their trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us God's Spirit enters into them. Well, after receiving the Spirit, uh, something that happens is Christians... It might take a little bit of time, it might be straight away, but they start realizing that they're God's children. So what do I mean by that? What does Paul mean by that? Well, what he means and how this works out in our lives is that we uh, suddenly realize that something has changed in us. We start to notice that we've become actually very different people. Uh, you know, we've all been there before, if we've believed. Uh, we start to think differently and we do different things than before uh, we were Christians. Uh, it might be in the, what you think or what you say or what you choose to do or what you choose not to do. Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore because I'm a Christian. Well, it shows that we're uh, motivated differently. We do different things. We do things that a child of God would do. Uh, we start to do what a true child of a parent does. Uh, we begin to listen to our parents, uh, our parent. Uh, we begin to listen to God. So if you know Jesus, the Spirit shows you that you are a child of God by changing how you do things, how you think, um, because you start to change. We start to listen to God. Okay, well, if, if the Spirit shows us we are God's children, well, our passage today tells us um, that this also means that we're heirs of God. We're children and we're also heirs. It shows us that children of God, well, uh, what's an heir? Well, it's someone who has an inheritance. And our inheritance, what is it? Uh, well, it's God's kingdom. God being our father. Uh, it's just like how legitimate children of someone will inherit uh, whatever belongs to their parents one day. I think there's a picture. Just like in a will, I suppose. That's what they're all about, that uh, they distribute fairly. Um, a parent will distribute fairly what they want to go to their children if anything were to happen. So we also inherit God's kingdom if we are proven to be God's children. Okay, so Paul doesn't leave it there. There's other signs that show us we're God's children as well. Well, what are they? Well, interestingly, when suffering comes in our lives, that's how we know that we're God's children as well. So that helps us make sense of suffering. That's how suffering fits in the life of a Christian. It actually tells us something. It tells us we're God's children. And that also means that we'll enter into His glory. That is, if we suffer as Christians, uh, Romans 8 tells us, it's a sign that we will be also resurrected and to be seated with God in His kingdom, uh, with Jesus as rulers of it, as inheritors of it. So Paul tells us this in verse 17. It says, 
Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed uh, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So if we share in the suffering, we'll also share in his glory. That's a condition here, interestingly. Well, at this uh, point, you might ask, well, why do we need to suffer as Christians in order to enter into life's uh, into God's glory. Well, Paul is saying that uh, uh, suffering in life for the Christian, well, it actually has a purpose. And it's not actually for nothing. Paul teaches us that it's actually a part of the journey, the journey, uh, our journey to experiencing the glory that God has prepared for us later. So what I mean is that suffering now, well, it helps us look forward to something better later, doesn't it? Just like when we sit down after, a, uh, after we get home after a hard day's work or gardening or going out for the day, uh, it actually helps us to appreciate why we go through all that suffering. Uh, we get to relax and be at home. Hard times help us to appreciate and it adds value to the good times, doesn't it? That's how we make sense of our suffering in our lives today. Well, our suffering, well, it's all a part of God's plan, God's good plan. But what things do Christians have to look forward to uh, to make sense of our present, present sufferings? I mean, life and the situations we find ourselves in, well, they're, they're very hard, aren't they? Uh, what could possibly get our minds off that? Well, Paul tells us. Paul explains to us this in our next section. Uh, Paul explains that the present suffering is not worthy of comparing to the future glory. Present sufferings are not worthy, uh, not worth comparing to the future glory. Uh, well, what Paul is saying is that uh, what is coming in the future for Christians is going to be so amazing. Well, it'll so drown out our present sufferings that they won't even be worth comparing to them. It's hard to imagine now because we're on this side, not on that side, but, um, but that's what it says. Uh, and he speaks about this in, uh, in verse 18 to 30. So first of all, Paul explains that all creation greatly looks forward to the revealing of the sons of God. Okay, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's see. So we see this in verse 19 when he says, for the creation awaits, uh, awaits an eager expectation for the children, God, children of God to be revealed. So what Paul is basically saying here is the whole world, and uh, since the beginning of time, well, it's been waiting, hasn't it? It's been waiting for one moment in history. And the moment in history that it's waiting for is for the children of God to be revealed. But why is, it so, why is creation so excited to see the children of God? Well, this is why. Well, it's because God has made all creation suffer death and decay along with mankind. Because long ago, mankind rebelled against God, remember? Uh, we see Paul talk about this in verse 20 to 21. He says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself might be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
So what Paul is saying here is that God has frustrated all of creation. He frustrated it all for a time, not forever, um, by causing it all to deteriorate and die. It, all, well, it wasn't always like this, but for a long time it has been like this. And, but why is that? Well, it's because mankind uh, has sinned and, uh, and God has made uh, mankind and all that God had given them. So he, what's God given them? Well, creation, plants, animals, a place to live, food. Well, all of it is caused to deteriorate and die now because it's, uh, because it's all punishment for mankind's sin against God, his rebellion against him. But God promises that one day he'll fix all this. He'll make our present world into a world that is new and is free from death and decay. A place where death and sickness, well, it won't exist. God will make a place fit for him to be with his people and his creation forever. That's what we look forward to. Paul then goes on to explain that we too look forward to this, uh, this reality, being freed from death and decay, uh, in verse 23. He says, uh, Not only so, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, are grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, or the freedom of our bodies from, uh, from sin and death. So what Paul is saying here is that we Christians uh, have the first fruits of the new creation. Uh, we have the sign that God uh, is going to fix this world. He's going to free this world from death and decay. Uh, well, how do we know this and what is it? Well, we know this because uh, we have God's Spirit in us today. In fact, uh, I'd, I'd go as far to say that's why we're sitting here. We've been moved by the Spirit of God. We believe in Him and and we're changing. We're, we're a changed people, aren't we? Or we're a changing people, at least. Well, the fact that the Spirit has come uh, to be in us, in people, in the world, is a sign that God would also later get rid of death and decay. That's the sign He gave us, that He would get rid of it forever. So God used a supernatural uh, and miraculous thing, something that doesn't happen naturally, uh, that is His Spirit, uh, to give people confidence that he would make an even more amazing truth, an even more amazing event happen later. So we also read about this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4 to 5. Well, Paul teaches about this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4 to 5, if you want to go there. And it talks about this. 2 Corinthians 5, 4 to 5 says uh, this. Uh, to, uh, For while we are in this tent... That is our bodies. We groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Uh, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So just in the same way God has frustrated the world and everything, God is also now doing a new work and he's making, uh, giving us a spirit as a deposit that things will be fixed later. The spirit is a deposit to show us that he'll get rid of death forever later and suffering and everything else with it. 
So basically what Paul is saying is that the Spirit starting to be at work in us, Christians, is a sign that God will get rid of death and decay in mankind and all of creation, in fact, uh, forever, later. However, even though we have the Spirit, well, we all know that suffering and groaning in the meantime, well, it's, it's still here and we're still going to have to endure it. We groan in suffering as we wait for this later time when our bodies will be redeemed, when will be, our bodies will be freed from death. I mean, that's just astonishing. We've never known a world like this, uh, but that's what we look forward to. In fact, we see it uh, being fulfilled in Jesus. He's the first one, freed from death and suffering. Okay, let's pause for a minute just to make sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so uh, take this example. Uh, so this is something that's happened in my own life in the last two years. So me and Caitlin, we've moved to Newcastle and we moved into a house, but a real uh, almost all bonus of this house uh, is that in the backyard there was this massive olive tree. Uh, but since we've lived there, uh, our olive tree, well, it, it may as well be any other tree because it hasn't had any olives yet. Um, but uh, well, we weren't sure if it would produce any fruit. You know, like, like maybe it's too big and maybe it won't produce fruit or something. We knew nothing about olive trees. <laughs> Uh, moving in. But in our first year, we, we never saw any fruit. And we thought, oh no, maybe it's, uh, maybe not. It's not. Things aren't all good. But after waiting a long time, uh, earlier this year, uh, our olive tree, it started doing a new thing. It started getting little teensy-weensy little buds of, uh, of olives on the end of the branches. Just buds, not olives yet. Um, it was incredibly exciting to see that uh, because it was a sign, wasn't it? It was a sign that something different was going to happen if we kept waiting. Uh, we could have some deliciously uh, fresh, homegrown olives if we waited. Uh, but after many months of painful waiting, well, it finally came. Uh, hey presto, we finally had good-sized olives for harvesting. Well, so we think. Uh, I've harvested some of them. Uh, who knows if they're going to taste good. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but they're harvested. I've actually got olives. I couldn't believe it. Well, finally, after two years, we had some olives. We didn't know we'd have olives until we saw those little buds, right? Well, in the same way, people who believe in Jesus, we're starting to see the signs that God's going to get rid of death and decay forever. Well, what's that sign? Well, that sign is the Spirit coming and being in us. We are testimony that the later things are going to come. This is how we know that God is going to fix humanity and free us from death and decay. So, Paul concludes that the present sufferings while we wait, well, it's, it's hard, yes, but it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth the wait. It's nothing compared to what God has in store for us in the future. We're almost there, um, but all we need to do now is just hang on. So, and then finally in this section, uh, Paul explains that we, what we should do as we wait uh, for our bodies to be freed from death. Well, he talks about this in our remaining section in verse 24 to 30. So first of all, he talks about how silly it'd be if we uh, were just to give up, if we were to just be impatient as we wait. See, it's, it's strange though, Paul talks about it being silly, but uh, in our day and age, not waiting for things is normal. You know, we can get things, we order things online, we want things now. Thank you very much. And if it's not, we complain. But it wasn't always like this. And I'm sure a lot of you guys know more better than me. Um, but, you know, you had to wait for things. 
back in the day. And that's what it meant to hope. Hope is patiently waiting, looking forward to what we don't have yet. That's what hope is. But, uh, you know, today it seems like we don't know what that means. But Paul explains that uh, this is like how um, the Holy Spirit in us prays as well. That's what the Spirit is doing in us. Uh, what it does is the Spirit is, uh, uh, Paul says, and the Bible says, that um, it prays for things uh, that we don't know we need. It prays for things according to God's will. It doesn't pray for things that we already have. That'd be ridiculous. Why pray for things you already have? I mean, you can thank God for things you have, but the Spirit doesn't do that. It prays for things that we don't have. So that's what the Spirit is doing in us, praying for that uh, things go according to God's will in our life, praying that what God wants to happen will happen in our lives. So only after all of this, and after saying all of these things, then Paul finally comes to the passage we love, uh, Romans 8.28. So now we have a better idea of what he's probably talking about. So what does he say again? He says, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, uh, who have been called according uh, to his purpose. Okay, so we can finally understand what this passage is actually talking about now. Uh, we learn about what Paul is talking about before this passage. Um, so we get a better idea of what he's actually saying. So what is he saying? Well, Paul says that the Spirit, even the Spirit, is praying that things go uh, the way God wants. He, the Spirit prays that what God wants to happen will happen. Not that you know, everything will be without suffering, because he's just talked about suffering. So, so then Paul tells us that Christians should know that God uses all things, including the Holy Spirit, uh, to work for the good of those who love him. Um, so that's, uh, I think, something, uh, one way that we uh, misunderstand this passage is uh, how we interpret the word good. It's actually really important in how it functions in this sentence. It's like, you know, well, if good is defined differently, then it changes the meaning of the whole passage. So let's clear things up right here. When we hear the word good, uh, we need to consider what it means. More specifically, who things are good for. On first glance, we might think, uh, for, for the good of Christians. That's what it means. And that's true in a sense, but we also think it's oh, things that are good in our eyes, meaning that things won't be bad or hard, or that there won't be any suffering. But uh, as we've said, said before, and we've seen in this passage, Paul's not talking about that. Uh, that's just not true. I'm, I'm, I mean, it'd be nice if it was, but that's not what he says. Because we also need to consider who it is we are. So another thing we need to understand about this passage, and we often get wrong, is the last part. We don't really know what it's talking about, but we just love that it says, us. Ah, it's going to go all good. And so who have been called according to his purpose? Well, who is that? Or why is it saying that? Well, God's purposes are what we're to be about, what Christians are to be about. And what is true who love him? Well, it's not a life without suffering. But instead, it's a life that is in line with God's purposes that he has for his people. Like we've been seeing in this passage, suffering is a part of God's good plan for his people. Now, 
Suffering not because God is horrible and sadistic, but suffering actually helps us look forward to the main game. Suffering helps us look forward to uh, and trust in what comes next. That is, going to be with God. No longer getting sick, no longer dying. That's what we look forward to. That's why suffering is part of God's good creation. Well, what does this all mean? Well, it means that if you're a Christian, that not everything will go smoothly for you and without hiccup. I'm really sorry if uh, people have led you to believe that in your life uh, and that it's all going to be smooth sailing if you believe in Jesus. Unfortunately, it's not. I'm sorry if you've really wanted God to do something in your life and you've believed that God would do that thing, um, but it hasn't happened. You know, God still might do it, but, uh, but in the meantime, maybe he hasn't done it yet. Or maybe you won't. But you know what? Uh, that's not what God is promising here. God is promising, in fact, something far better. Here God offers us a way to make sense of our suffering now. Uh, God makes sense of why we suffer now, uh, which helps us put into perspective all things in life. So if it says, oh, you know, all things will go good, but why am I suffering? Well, there's a reason. And God knows about it. Why do we suffer now? Well, we suffer now because God hasn't given us the amazing things that he's promised to us yet. He hasn't done it yet. So we shouldn't stop trusting God because he doesn't give us what we want now. But this passage rather spurs us on to keep trusting him so that we will be, we'll be a part of this amazing uh, reality, this amazing thing that God has in store for us later. Things which overwhelmingly will make our suffering here seem like nothing. Hard for us to see now, but that's what it says. It says that what's coming is going to make nothing of the things we experience now because of how good the future reality will be. It's so, so much better than any amount of suffering we'll go through now. Yes, our suffering now is horrible, but the, ho uh, but the more horrible it is, the more we come to understand how superior the future reality will be when we get resurrected. When we be, we'll be in the presence of our loving Creator God and our Savior, Jesus, when He returns. Okay, so what are some take-homes after knowing that? Uh, after knowing what Romans 8.28 is actually about? Well, let's first talk about what we shouldn't do. Well, first of all, we shouldn't doubt God when we suffer. We shouldn't think that God is far away and He doesn't know about our suffering and He doesn't care. He's turned our back on us. He does know and He does care. But know that He's not acting now because what's happening is part of His plan. He might act, but if He doesn't, I'd say it's part of His plan since He is in control of all things and all that. So whatever you're going through or will go through in life, it's a part of God's plan. It's tough, but trust that it's a part of His good plan. Unfortunately, what we experience now in life, well, it's probably not going to be pleasant. It might be very unpleasant. But rest assured what He's doing is good. 
because whatever horrible things you go through now, uh, there are things coming in the future that will far outweigh how bad they are. But as I say these things, I know that things have been hard here at Wyoming recently. I know that in COVID, uh, we've been brought face to face with life's disappointments as the world literally has been turned upside down, uh, even overnight. And what used to be normal, well, it's, it's changed, hasn't it? And we've all been made by God to realize our frailty and our inability to control anything. I mean, just look at the situation in India. Countless lives lost right now, like thousands. I mean, possibly like 200,000 a day, people are saying. And many of them Christians. Why? And something closer to home. COVID has in many ways dashed our hopes and dreams here, in your own lives. Possibly not being able to go on that overseas trip that you were hoping to go on. Who knows if we can go to, when we can go overseas again? Who knows if it's even safe to do so? Or not being able to see grandchildren in the time that they were born because of restrictions. I've got a friend who had a, had a daughter and, uh, and the, grandchildren, uh, the grandparents of this grandchild um, weren't able to see them for six months. They met them the first time when they were six months old because of restrictions. They live in Victoria. That's ridiculous in the modern world. In Australia, you know, hopes and dreams dashed there of just holding your grandchild for the first time, days after they were born, moments after they were born. Not possible now because of COVID. Or to just visit relatives who are sick or in hospital or who are dying. So for me and Caitlin, uh, we went into COVID not being able to see Bronwyn, Bronwyn, so someone who used to come to this church um, until recently. Um, uh, very often we, uh, so Caitlin, this, uh, Caitlin is Bronwyn's daughter. Um, so very often we'd uh, be afraid that uh, we couldn't see her last year because we didn't want to give her COVID or make her sick, um, sicker than she already was. But we held out hope that COVID would settle down and, and that Bromwell did, would get better. Um, but you know what? Things didn't pan out like that. Sadly, now coming out of COVID, if we can call it coming out of COVID, uh, she's no more. And we can't spend time with her anymore. She won't see her grandsons grow up. Those great times we wanted to spend with Bronwyn in hopes of her getting better, well, they've been dashed. It's not possible now. But you know what? I know it's sad and unpleasant, but the hope we're instead forced to have is actually the real hope. And it's the hope, same hope that Bron held on to till the end. The hope, uh, the wonderful hope she and anyone who puts their trust in Jesus has. That is the hope of meeting God face to face and to be comforted by him. That's the hope we need to hang on to. We're meant to suffer on our way to glory. It helps us to appreciate it. It helps us not to hang on to the futile situations we find ourselves in here and now. It helps us to hang on to God uh, and how he'll do away with all suffering and fix everything so that things will no longer be as they are now, but as God intended them to be. 
So what, what are we to make of suffering and life's disappointments now? Um, and what is the present suffering all for? Well, our suffering is all a part of God's good plan. Suffering, our suffering is all a part of God's good plan. For us who believe in Jesus, it is to help us to remember that we are God's children. And if we're his children, we will also share in his glory. Know that our suffering now, well, it's going to be inconsequential compared to the glory to be revealed. Suffering now, as bad as it is, is so worth the glory that is to come. We look forward to being set free from sickness, death and suffering and sadness and the pointlessness of life because everything here dies. So trust that God will do what he says he will. And in your suffering, don't lose hope of what's coming next. Our suffering is all a part of God's good plan. Well, how about I pray as we finish up? But uh, yeah, I hope that you'll remember that, that yeah, suffering now, it's not for no purpose. It's not that you're outside of God's plans. Well, let's uh, finish off by praying. Dear God, we thank you so much um, that you help us to understand the situation that we're in. We thank you that you know uh, what we're going through. And Lord, I thank you today that you've helped us to know uh, why it is maybe that you don't act in the situations we're in life, because generally, yeah, you've made it uh, so that things will be like this here now, because we look forward to something better. And also, we've rebelled against you. That is actually uh, deserving of what we see and experience here today. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that hope, and that we might, that we might even share this hope with others, that in our suffering, you have better things to come. And the only way that we'll be a part of that is by trusting you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to know these realities, help us to dig deep in these truths, and may it be our uh, hope. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name.